Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I'm Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. And I'm Aaron McMahon. We are joined by a special guest today to help preview the football game between Michigan and Ohio State. It's as big a regular season game as it gets. We've got everything you need to get ready for kickoff. Coming up on Wolverine Confidential. All right, guys, good to be with you here uh, Wednesday morning, November 23rd. Uh, And as I alluded to in the open, we do have a a special guest. It's Nathan Baird uh, from Cleveland.com, MLive.com sister site, uh, who who covers Ohio State and will help preview this matchup. So, Nathan, uh, thanks for being here. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. Good to, good to keep it in the family this week. <laughs> there we go. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, this is just a massive game. I mean, college sports in particular lend themselves to kind of excessive hype. But in this case, I, I think we can all agree it's pretty warranted. Both teams are 11-0. and 0. Uh, They played for a spot in the Big Ten championship game last year at this time. Uh, of course, Michigan won that game. But now it's in Columbus. Uh, it's a 12-14 p.m. Eastern kick in Columbus. Uh, you know, God bless both sports information directors for getting that specific time on the game notes. You know, I hate to put noon and then, you know, it's, it's, it's not. People are waiting around, waiting for that kick. So 12-14 is when Toe will meet Leather at the Horseshoe. And uh, yeah, again, it's a spot in the Big Ten Championship on the line, and I think we can all say it essentially is the Big Ten Championship game, given given what we know about the West. Um, winner stays alive for for a, a playoff berth. Loser maybe does anyway. We'll get to that. But but let's start with kind of what we learned uh, this week. And, and Nathan, we could start with you. Uh, any news on injuries coming out of Ohio State or or anything notable that was that was said this week? Yeah, so Ohio State keeps things fairly tight-lipped in terms of injuries. They will put out a status report at 9 a.m. Saturday morning that uh, tells you who's playing and who's not or who's available to play and who's not. The 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 one that everyone is watching the most closely this week is in the backfield. Uh, they're starting running back. Trevian Henderson came back from a two-week absence and played last week at Maryland, uh, but barely made it through the first half. It did not play in the second half except for maybe, I think maybe one snap. And uh, has a, has a foot injury that's just been recurring and was it was clearly bothering him. And his status for Saturday is unknown. He was um, coming back in as Mayan Williams, who was starting for him prior to that, 
had to miss the Maryland game because of his own foot, lower leg, some kind of injury. Um, we don't know his status for Saturday. He was replaced by a, um, they were replaced by a true freshman in the second half of Maryland named Dallin Hayden, who had a, a nice game and was big 10 freshman of the week. So, um, that's really the one that has the biggest repercussions on the game Saturday. It was funny that we, uh, and also I should say that Ohio State starting right guard, Matt Jones, uh, also didn't make it through the game, missed the end of the game, had to be carted off. He was uh, had his right foot wrapped in ice and was on crutches after the game. So that would be another you know significant miss up front. He's a First-year starter, but but played a lot last year as like the utility guy on the line, so a, a veteran guy on the offensive line. So those are the two big ones that are hanging out there that we know uh, c- from coming out of the game. You don't know other things could be going on too. Um, the weirdly on Saturday, a name that didn't come up once in Ryan Day's press conference. And uh, I, I don't even know how much it came up when we scattered out and talked to players after that was Jackson Smith and Jigba, who uh, came into the season as a, a preseason All-American and a guy that everyone thought was going to be the centerpiece of this offense. And he has missed, as I'm sure Michigan fans know, missed most of the season with a, a hamstring injury that came up um, on opening night against Notre Dame. And it's just never gotten right. And he's tried to come back a couple times and play and hasn't been able to. It, his dad had had said that this was maybe the first game where he could potentially come back, but we've seen no indications that he is uh, on the verge of coming back. I would be surprised if he played on Saturday. Listeners to this podcast know about Smith and Jigma because I'm in a college football fantasy league that has no prize whatsoever. Um, and yet he was, uh, he was my keeper and, and never, you know, never really did anything for me. No uh, prize for you. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is correct. Uh, yeah, well, it's 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 kind of interesting because um, Michigan has very is in a very similar spot with really some of the same positions actually too. And you know, Aaron or Ryan, if you could uh, you know kind of fill our listeners in on where we stand here Wednesday morning with some of those guys. But before yeah, we do that, at least the at least Ohio State releases a, an injury report before the game, <laughs> so that's nice to hear. Yeah, it could be worse. It could be worse. <laughs> it's it, it as much as a reporter sometimes you get frustrated. Um, you wish they were a little bit more transparent, but um, they do tell us on Saturday morning, you know, what's going on. I'm going to be excited to receive that status report in the press box. I, I won't know what, what is, what am I looking at? I will, need, <laughs> uh, I will need guidance on this document because it, it's foreign to us here on the Michigan beat. Yeah, it's incredibly foreign. Uh, Michigan situation, it hasn't changed much from earlier in the week. Uh, status is still unknown on, on running back Blake Corum. Status is still unknown on, on Donovan Edwards. You know, we, again, I, as I said in the podcast earlier, earlier this week, I, I saw Blake on Sunday. He looked to be hobbled a little bit. Um, he did say he's going to be there in Columbus on Saturday. I don't know exactly what that means. If he, in fact, he's going to be there just to watch or, in fact, play. Um, I suspect they're going to try and give it a go to some degree. I don't know what condition he's going to be in. And that's the big question going into Saturday. What condition is Blake Corm in? Because at the end of the day, Michigan's offense is going to rely on him. I mean, they need him. They need the running game to get going. Um, you saw in the second half against Illinois on Saturday what Michigan's offense looks like without a, a legit running game. They they struggled to move the football. They struggled to put it in the end zone. Um, so those two are the, obviously the big big names linging, uh, hanging out there. Um, tight end Luke Schoonmaker, Michigan's number two pass catcher, did not play on Saturday. He did suit up, didn't play. I suspect he's going to try and give it a go. Same goes from Mike Morris, Michigan's top edge rusher. He, again, dressed on Saturday but did not play. Those two are more like game-time decisions. I su- so I suspect those two are going to play. 
Running game is a little more questionable. Um, I, I think those two will probably, Edwards and Gorm will probably dress and try to play. But again, what what their status is or how you know, how close they are to 100%, I think is going to determine the game plan and really how successful Michigan's going to be uh, moving the football. I mean, when you think about three key guys for the Wolverines, I mean, that's those are three of the biggest guys right there at, at their respective positions because there really isn't much depth behind them at all. I mean, we mentioned yeah, the running back situation. is. Are you going to hand the ball off to C.J. Stokes more than 10 times in, in the biggest game of the season? A, a true freshman who was ranked outside the top 700 in his class? Probably unlikely, and, and we saw a lot of walk on Isaiah Gash in the second half last week. Um, so that, it doesn't really seem like a, a recipe that that could work against this improved Buckeyes defense. And then with, without Luke Stumaker, I mean, Mission still loves to run their two tight end sets. Sets and fr- true freshman Colson Loughlin's been pretty good this year, but behind him, it's been Max Bredesen or. Or Joel Honigford, two guys that don't offer much in the past game, and can they hold up in blocking against some of uh, Ohio State's impressive uh, uh, edge rushers? Uh, it will be tough to see. So it's, I mean, yeah, there and Mike Morris is there is obviously their top pass rusher as well. So Michigan to have any chance, I think, needs to get at least a couple of those guys back, and not just back, but pretty healthy too, and playing pretty well. I think it speaks to you know the differences in depth in these programs still and in the recruiting edge that Ohio State has had now for several years where, you know, they both programs had to turn to, you know, a third or fourth stringer running back, a true freshman and Ohio State ends up being, you know, the big ten freshman of the week and and Michigan can really struggles to 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 move the ball uh, you know, in in, in a game against Illinois. Um so so Nathan, um I mean this is this is the big question as we transition from Michigan's kinda now all of a sudden uh uncertain running game to an Ohio State defense that has to be just uh, ready to go for this for this game after what happened last year. I mean, they got a new defensive coordinator. Um, you know, Kirk Herbstreit was was saying in a conference call yesterday. Um, you know, for this game, that that is why they went out and got uh, Jim Knowles was basically because of what happened um, in the Michigan Ohio State game. Uh, I guess I'd like your thoughts on that and whether you think Ohio State is better equipped to uh, slow Michigan down and maybe force them to try to beat them in other ways. Yeah, it, it's. I think it's accurate to say that, that that those wholesale defensive staff changes were made as a result of the game and and what had been going on all season, really for two seasons leading up to that. But uh, they got Jim Knowles partially because, uh, number one, just what he had proven at Oklahoma State at other places, what he could be schematically, but also because they want someone who can make better in-game adjustments when things are going awry. So the I think Ohio State is smart enough to know that Michigan's probably going to throw some things at it it hasn't seen yet, and, and, and Ohio State is, feels like it is better equipped to um, adjust to that on Saturday. But we've watched this defense – grow and um and improve over the course of a season and and really from from opening night against Notre Dame you could you could see the improvement i think the most important thing is is the confidence level that this team this defense has in itself and in what Knowles does and who he is and that it, it trusts that it's being uh, put on the field in the right way. I think that was a big problem last year. I think that as much as we as observers could watch an Ohio State defense, it seemed like it was on its heels and and didn't make those in-game adjustments and sometimes didn't seem to have 
didn't seem to know who its best players were at times and didn't know how to deploy them. And the the players felt that even more than we did because they were the ones on the field trying to do it. And I think that you, that showed up in the performance. And what you're seeing this year is uh, Knowles brought in a defense that structurally isn't going to look, with one exception that I'll get to, isn't going to look a lot different at first than what Ohio State put on the field last year. You know, a lot of four down linemen, two linebackers, five DBs, and but what he does with them is significantly different. The linebackers were really crashing downhill. Uh, they uh, Tommy Eichenberg, who was a guy that couldn't hang on to a starting job last year, has become like arguably, you know, I, I, a lot of, you know, Jack Campbell and Nick Harbig fans out there probably this has been a good year for Big Ten linebackers. And he he's in that conversation, too, is just having another a fantastic year. And then the guy next to him, Steel Chambers, who became like their uh, best running uh, best linebacker in some ways last year, almost by default as a guy who was still a running back when preseason camp started. And now he's legitimately like they've made him a weapon next to him. And those guys, uh, the defensive line has played a lot more solid is a lot, has a lot more gap security and, and is, is just more stable up front. And then those guys play off of that wall and come down and just clean up a lot of tackles. It, they become a much harder team to run against. I think last year they were like 3.68, which was in the thirties nationally, as far as yards per carry allowed. Now it's 3.08 and in the top 10. So it, it, it's not, I don't know that you could make an argument as to whether Ohio state or Michigan's defense is better this year, but no question Ohio state has closed the gap and is put itself in a position to not get run over the way it did last year. So a couple of key areas I think are going to be, what I was talking about before, just kind of the general um, steadiness of the offense or defense. I know that Michigan is going to try to, you know, bring numbers and and do some things with um, misdirection or, or 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 motion. The way they swing those, it kind of enmasks the the linemen and the tight ends together to, to create some things. And Ohio State is going to have to be just very disciplined to not, you know. Uh, fall into that trap and over pursue at the wrong times and, 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 and play into what Michigan's trying to do there. Uh, I, I think they are much more secure on the back end. Last year, they had a guy in a backup safety and Bryson Shaw, who was kind of left to have to clean up a lot of things in that defense when he just was not especially equipped to do that uh, because of some injuries and things that had happened, but also schematically how they were choosing to play that. And this year their, their safety situation is just so much more secure. Ronnie Hickman, a second year starter. And then Lathan Ransom who broke his leg in the Rose bowl and wasn't even a starter on opening night and has come around and is like a, is a semifinalist for the Thorpe award and is, is really growing into something special at the back end. And then Tanner McAllister, the nickel safety who transferred in from Oklahoma state where he had played for Knowles and became this important bridge to building this defense uh, in, a, in, in Columbus. And those guys, the security that they provide in the back end of the defense is, is critical because that takes away some of the really big plays that Michigan was able to break off of on Ohio state last year. It wasn't, there was only a couple really, but the explosive plays in general, I think there were like nine explosive run plays that Michigan had last year. And uh, Ohio state is now average only giving up uh, like less than three a game per average. Um, and if it can do that, it's going to give itself a good chance. Uh, the one wrinkle that we actually still don't even completely know um, how much it'll be utilized in, in this particular matchup is uh, when they don't use a four man front, they do what, what uh, they use a position that Jim Knowles calls the Jack, 
that again he brought from Duke and Oklahoma State that he used before. And it's a stand up, like a hybrid defensive end linebacker position. And it'll roam the, f- so you then basically become a three man front. And then this guy that's kind of roaming around and the, a guy named Jack Sawyer, a second year guy, former five-star prospect is a guy that they've mostly turned loose in that. And it seems like a, a very crucial position for Saturday. If they can use him to move around and it, the whole concept that Jim Knowles bases his defense on is uh, confusion and disguise and to not let a quarterback and an offensive coordinator walk up to the line and know what's coming. It's, it's about keeping them guessing and, and changing things on them and, and throwing them off. And uh, I think they can use Sawyer to, you know, show something pre-snap, have Michigan set up a play that attacks that and then, counter off of that uh, as as the play is happening by moving him over and, and doing different things I, I they've they've hinted that there's more that's going to come out in that position and that they're growing towards something and it might be that Saturday is the first time that we see them do some new things with that every time I hear that uh linebacker's name Steel Chambers I'm just I'm reminded he exists and that he was born you know to play that position at a high level uh all right so Aaron and Ryan if if Ohio State is better equipped to slow Michigan's run game, whether Michigan's at full strength or not. Um, yeah, and they have to go to the air more or at least have J.J. McCarthy do more, Whether even if that means with his legs. Um, do you think they can do it and win this game? Uh, that's a good question. I don't know if they can. You mentioned J.J. McCarthy, and I think he's really going to be an X factor this week, whether they can on the ball or not. Like you said, I think they're going to use him more. I think they're going to encourage him to, to get pick up extra yards when they need to. Um, and I think they have no choice, but they're going to have to try and connect on some of those deep balls. They just haven't hit all season long. So the pressure then becomes on the receivers to get a, to get open and make those catches and on JJ to make those throws. And, 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 and in an environment like this, I question whether they can do that. Um, so there's, there's a lot of question marks with the Michigan offense going into Saturday. I have a lot of doubts, especially given the unknowns at running back and, and, and the two running backs essentially probably not being at full strength. So Michigan's going to, I think, in a way, going to be very uncomfortable on Saturday. I think it's on. I think Ohio State's going to try and make them uncomfortable. Um, and and you, you wonder how they're going to react. They haven't really been in a position like this all year long where they've had to throw the ball to win games. They've largely done it on the ground. Um, they did it a bit in the second half on Saturday or tried to against Illinois to, to varying de- degrees of success, but they haven't gone out there and had to win a game four quarters by throwing the football. And I, I wonder if that's going to be the case on Saturday. Again, again, we don't know what, what quorum status is going to be, but I, I suspect more of the um, pressure is going to be on J.J. McCarthy to make plays, and whether it's with his feet or through the air. And he becomes, becomes, I think, a, a true, real vital X factor for Michigan on Saturday. Yeah, I, I think a common question this week was like if, for players and coaches, like would they would they be confident in J.J. McCarthy throwing the ball 40 times? And I mean, I don't think it will be that many, but he's going to have to throw it more than he has because Ohio State's going to score and they're going to score quicker than other opponents have on Michigan throughout this year. Um, so it's. I mean, Michigan receivers, we've talked about this ad nauseum, have not done McCarthy any favors this year. I mean, we know some of them have some potential. I mean, Cornelius Johnson had a pretty solid year in 2021. Roman Wilson's flashed a little bit, but they need to be nearly perfect in this game. Their windows are going to be tighter. Um, There's going to be more pressure on McCarthy. And, yeah, he needs to deliver the ball on time and and accurate. And Michigan's receivers need to make the catches. They need to – maybe if it's a little bit behind them, they still have to make the grab. And we haven't seen that 
yet this year. And if they're not able to do that, I just don't see a pathway to to Michigan or Michigan winning without without Corum and, and Edwards at full strength. One thing Ohio State is definitely cognizant of is what JJ McCarthy can do with his legs, and and not even like in design situations, but in just those scrambling freelance situations. They've been burned a couple times this year. Um, or earlier this season by guys uh, who can do that. And they're, they're well aware of McCarthy and it's almost a conundrum that they have because they're so aggressive up front that, uh, and, and are just so on the attack with that defensive line that sometimes that leaves them a little bit vulnerable to getting beat there. So that was something players were talking about yesterday is just this concept of rushing smart and, and, and knowing, having an awareness of what everybody in the defense is supposed to be doing, doing your job, and um, they want their front to still be aggressive, but to do it in the that disciplined kind of controlled chaos kind of way that doesn't leave them uh, doesn't leave McCarthy that that sort of back door that's open all the time. I think Ohio State believes that if it can stop the run on early downs, that plays into its uh, favor. That because then it can get after McCarthy on third down, or it could just. It could, I mean, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but it, watching him, especially earlier this year, I, I saw him get a little bit loose with it. Um, could be a little bit erratic at times, and if you're putting him in the third and long situations with regularity, that is something Ohio State can probably take advantage of. No, JJ had a fumble problem early in the year. He was turning the ball over. He seemed to have corrected that in, in recent weeks, but. You wonder when he's put in a situation like this on the road in an unfamiliar environment, what whether those come back. And I, I think, yeah, turnovers and mistakes are going to be key on Saturday. I think Michigan's got to limit them to be in this game. JJ can get loose with the football, and he's got to know when to throw the ball and when to throw it away, uh, and not make those mistakes. So yeah, you, you nailed it. I, th- I think that's going to be vital. It'll be interesting, of course. Um, you know the I think of the, you know the Iowa game. You know that that was going to be the game that Michigan was finally going to have to really go through the air to win. Well, turns out they didn't. You know Penn State. I think you know Michigan had more rushing yards against uh, Penn State than Penn State had allowed in its you know five or six or whatever games before that combined. Um, so it was it, it you know Illinois again. You know I'm one of the top ranked rushing defenses at the time and. They did. They did slow Michigan to a certain extent, but um, I don't know, Michigan still won the game. Of course, now this is again just a different animal, a different test. But you know, so far Michigan has has passed all of these, so um, it 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 will be interesting to see um, if we can if we could switch to the other side of the ball uh, for a little bit. It might not be like as intriguing as a way. I don't know. It might be we just maybe know a little bit more about how things are going to go down. There's there's fewer injuries, um, you know, on, on that side maybe. But uh, yeah, if you look look back at last year's game. Um, you know, Michigan slowed Ohio State's offense for sure, you know, limited them to 27 points, which is which is which was good against that team. Uh Stroud still had to refresh my memory. I mean, 34 49 for 394 yards, two touchdowns, no turnovers. Like that's a pretty good day at the office. Um, but again, there were, you know, there were some empty calories there. Uh, Ohio State got into the red zone a couple times and had to settle for field goals and Michigan really limited the the big plays for the most part. Um, I feel like that'll be their blueprint again. Uh Nathan, how is this Ohio State team, you know, different from the one um, you know, that that faced Michigan last year offensively? Yeah, obviously there've been some personnel changes. I mean, again, if Smith and Jigba doesn't play, that means none of the three starting receivers from that game will play because Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave are both doing pretty well for themselves in the NFL right now. And as we said, Smith and Jigba's hurt. Now, Marvin Harrison Jr. has emerged, um, you know, weirdly, they just keep like losing 
the best receiver in college football and then like just another best receiver <laughs> in college football steps up to take their place. He's been and like the it's it, it, some of the things he does are a little bit indescribable. I'm not trying to be hyperbolic. It's just one of those things that's special when you see it and the way that like, you know, Aiden Hutchinson was last year defensively for Michigan. And you're just like, oh, well, that's the thing that people can't do. Like Marvin Harrison Jr. does that. He's just an incredibly talented guy, a very hardworking guy, but a guy who just has a a presence on the field that he makes plays um, sometimes out. He's in that one percent. You know what I mean? Like there's multiple plays this year where you're like human beings. That, that that's an advanced thing he's doing. Um, and then the guys who had to step up next to him. Uh, have have also done pretty well. Emeka Abuka, who is also uh, a former number one prospect in the country as a receiver, and Julian Fleming, also a former number one prospect for his class, um, and uh, at least the top ranked receiver in those classes. So the, those have been the the main weapons they've used. Cades over the tight end even more, uh, but really it's been about you know C.J. Stroud and his his second year development. That the Michigan game looking back on it, like you said, like the, the, the numbers from a passing perspective were pretty good. And there's been a lot of consternation around Ohio state about the running game. And part of it is because of those injuries we talked about before, part of it was because they've had some other games where it's been a little bit clunky. They've had some other situations. They, they really harped on these like short yardage situations. That was going to be a supposedly a, a big point of emphasis in the off season and something they wanted to prove they were more, accomplished that this year and that hasn't really happened uh people might remember you know early in the second half of that game last year uh there was a three and out where they stopped ohio state on um on third and two they think they took trevin henderson down for like a two-yard loss on third and two and and michigan drove down and scored after that and it kind of tilted the game um it was like one of the big like inflection points of that game that that pushed michigan towards a win but I think going into Saturday, again, just partially because the, the backfield is so banged up, but Ohio State's going to have to win this game by throwing the ball. And some of that is that it got into some games this year, and the, the score was so lopsided that it didn't matter. But they wasted a lot of time trying to run the ball and not being um, effective enough at it. And those empty plays and even sometimes empty possessions don't cost you when you're playing a team that you're going to put 40 or 50 on. But with Michigan in the way that it, even if this Ohio State defense plays well, it's probably still going to be able to move the ball to some extent. Your, your, your possessions get compressed. You have fewer shots at it. And Ohio State's going to have to be very efficient in the passing game. And they protected Stroud pretty well. I don't think that will be, even if um, Myers can play, I don't know that that's um, um, a, a significant concern uh, as to what Ohio, uh, Michigan can do with a pass rush, especially compared to last season. But it's what they can do as far as just, just keeping it efficient, making sure they're moving the chains. And uh, the running game only, they don't have to rely on the running game the way Michigan does. You're not looking at like, um, you know, a, a big play running game is being key for Ohio State. It's more just about keeping the offense on schedule. And when Dallin Hayden came in in the second half against Maryland, uh, he was using cutback lanes in a way that Trevor Henderson either couldn't or wouldn't. And he's he's the healthiest guy that they have right now, and he's the one that was running uh, the way that they need a running back to run. And it wouldn't surprise me if he ends up having a, a really big uh, load on Saturday and, and maybe is the featured back because he's just 
just from a matter of uh, convenience almost like he's the the guy who's been more efficient recently and, and Ohio State just needs to make sure that the running game keeps them on schedule because they have ultimate confidence that no matter how clunky it is early the passing game will always come around there will always be a way to sort of solve the passing game because they're just so talented there. All right, as we as we kind of start to wrap up this episode, there's there's still a couple more important topics I want to hit on it. And one of them is kind of the notion of which team has more pressure on it in this game. And I feel like we'll have a consensus, but that's only because I feel so strongly about my answer that maybe I just think everyone's going to going to share that opinion. Uh but but let's start with let's start with my Michigan colleagues here. Ryan, who who do you think has more pressure which program to to win this game on saturday i mean i think it's clearly ohio state they're they're at home I mean, they came in into the season as the big 10 favorite um and they're the the more talented team and they've controlled the series for um over the last two decades so um yeah mission's got a lot of injury concerns they're they're over more than a touchdown underdog so and it seems like what what we've seen from the other side, Ohio State. This game is is. I mean, it's always circled on both teams' calendars. But I think last year's loss hit them pretty hard. Um, and, and to lose back to back and to lose at home would to wreck their season. I think would, would not sit well with with Ohio State fans. But um, yeah, obviously a lot of pressure on both sides. But I think the the edge has to go to Ohio State. I agree. I, I think it falls on Ohio State, maybe even more so Ryan Day. I mean, he, he's correct me if I'm wrong, Nathan, but he's one and one against Michigan. I would assume the fan base wants a victory here, and I, I would assume if, if you know if if Ohio State was to lose another game on on Saturday, that that the pressure is going to ramp up a little bit uh, because obviously their goals are obviously to get to the Big Ten championship or national championships, but also to beat Ohio State. So um, I think in a way, Michigan, in a weird way, Michigan feels like they're probably playing with little to lose here. It, it was odd this week in Jim Harbaugh's press conference. He almost seemed like he was downplaying the game on Saturday. You know, he's the, he said Michigan was just grateful to be here. There's no need to hate in the rivalry and everything else. Part of me wonders if that was a realization that this team is banged up and maybe they're, they, they, they're not going to be very competitive on Saturday. Part of me too wonders if, if that's just a way to kind of tone down the rhetoric going it knowing it's a road game and having to go to Columbus so I certainly think it's on Ohio State um, that being said you know Ryan Hayes Michigan starting offensive tackle did say this week that you know if they lose on Saturday the season means nothing so I think Michigan wants to win the game I certainly think they're, they're, gonna, they're gonna have an opportunity to do so but given everything uh, uh, you know given what happened last year and where this game is being played I'm, I'm leaning Ohio State here yeah, we shouldn't downplay the stakes that Michigan is playing for. I mean, to be 12 and 0 to to then be you know, put in a situation where you're going to be a, a, a significant favorite to win the Big 10 Championship game and then probably themselves be the worst the two seed in the playoff. I mean, th- those are all uh, massive things that Michigan is playing for, but I agree with you guys that no question there's more pressure on Ohio State here. I mean, there are significant legacy conversations that are going to happen after this game. If Ohio state loses, I mean, you already mentioned Ryan day would then be one and two against Michigan. Uh, Ohio state hasn't lost back-to-back games against Michigan since 99, 2000. And it is the first time they've played Michigan at home since 2018 because of the, 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 the cancellation in 2020. Um, And all of those things, I mean, this was supposed to be a team that, uh, as we already said, like they, they made all these changes as a direct result of what happened last year and into to fast forward a year and find yourself in more or less the same position would be pretty disheartening. I think 
And on top of that, it, there's also some pressure here, I think, on C.J. Stroud, who has you know now had a second great year and belongs in any conversation of the best Ohio State quarterbacks you know, to, 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 at, at, in some way in that conversation, but he, he hasn't beaten Michigan. He didn't play him in 2020. He wasn't, he was on the team in 2020, but was a, a true freshman and in, in the backup to Justin Fields. And obviously the game wasn't played and then they lost last year. And uh, there is, you know, for a guy who's chasing a Heisman trophy and is the front runner right now. And it, he's stated in the past that he, he wants to win that. He, he, he understands the historic, significance of it and wants to be the Heisman Trophy winner and he can't win it if he doesn't win Saturday like I think that's a, you know, at one time it seemed like it could be almost a uh, a CJ Stroud Blake Corum like elimination match and now if Corum can't play or is compromised that that decreases the, that part of the stakes but for Stroud it's it's still clearly an elimination elimination game I think I don't know if he can win this award uh, because the statistical case is not uh, overwhelming. He's, his statistics are good, but we thought this might be a year where he came in and did kind of some video game things with him and Smith and Jigben. It didn't happen. So just, just huge like legacy implications in this game for Ohio State in a way that there aren't for Michigan. However, and you may be about to get into this more, it is interesting that I think Ohio State is the team that's in better position to get the back door into the playoff if it somehow loses this game. So it, it's we haven't really seen this before. To, where both teams can still be in national championship competition uh, uh, if they if one loses this game. But I, I think that's very real, depending on what other dominoes fall. And Ohio State is the team, because it just had a better non-conference schedule with that Notre Dame game, is in, is in better position to do that. Absolutely. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm with you guys on the pressure thing. But it is worth noting, you know, Michigan has won this game, you know, now once in the past decade, you know, twice in the last 17 meetings. And, you know, their last win in Columbus and last time they won, you know, two in a row, as you noted, was was the literal turn of the century in 2000. So I, I think they are trying to prove, I don't think anyone thinks last year was a fluke, but that, you know, they can maybe try to reestablish, um, you know, kind of annual competitiveness in this game and, and not just have it be a, a, a blip on the radar. Uh, we've only got a couple minutes left here, Nathan. We want to thank you so much for being on. But you did you did hit on something that that's important. The stakes are so high and this game means so much. And I don't think there's ever a consolation prize for the losers of this game. But it it certainly is not out of the realm of possibility that the loser could still make the college football playoff without a, a terrible amount of chaos happening around the country. You just probably need a, a, a couple of key losses, um, you know, not even <laughs> small upsets, really, if you look at the point spreads. For, for this to happen um so that that would be that would be certainly interesting but we know for sure that the winner punches a ticket to indianapolis to represent the east in the big 10 championship uh likely against iowa if iowa takes care of business against nebraska on friday uh, if they lose it, it throws some chaos in, in, back into the west um and and we'll we'll see how that shakes out you know come saturday but um we'll all be there uh in in columbus at at ohio stadium uh this coming saturday for that game uh nathan thanks so much for coming on to help preview it yeah thanks for having me on guys all right continued coverage on mlive.com slash wolverines and from the ohio state side at cleveland.com thanks for listening